Hello, cyber friends. This is Chatting Cyber, and I'm your host, Mark Shine. This podcast focuses on how companies can help qualify and quantify the cost of a data breach. Chatting Cyber features some of the most well-respected privacy and cyber experts in the world. Join the conversation with business leaders, government agencies, and cyber experts to learn more about how and why they got into this ever-changing field that we call cyber risk. Hello, cyber colleagues. I'm Mark Shine, National Co-Chair of the Cyber Center of Excellence here at Marsh McLennan Agency. And today we have a true cyber celebrity with us, Brad Laporte. Brad, thanks for joining today. Thanks. Thanks for having me. I don't know if I'm a celebrity, but I'm certainly glad to be here. Well, so, so Brad, uh, if, if memory serves me right, back on uh, April 28th of uh, 2022, you just actually came out with a book related to cyber risk and cyber crime, uh, The Rise of Cybercrime, actually, as, it, as it's titled. The age-old question that keeps coming up uh, year over year, which is, you know, what kind of correlation, if any, does cyber insurance have in relation to ransomware and the different types of attacks that have been happening, which... You know, effectively have been plaguing over one-third of organizations around the world for the past couple of years. Sure. So Brad, I guess my first question is, how does a guy that grew up in Rhode Island end up becoming an author of one of the most popular cyber books of uh, 2022 so far? Yeah, it's been an interesting journey. So uh, currently, I am a, a strategic advisor for Order, which is a connected device security company. So they look across your entire environment across your traditional devices, your IoT, OT, you know, everything across the board uh, in terms of a kind of an agentless and SaaS-based approach um, and identifying it and being able to secure it within that environment uh, no matter how it's architected. So um, you know, leading up to that point um, in, in actually doing this research, you know, previously I, I originally um, I was a officer in the military and ended up doing uh, cybersecurity for the military intelligence and worked very closely with the Intel community and eventually uh, ended up being a, a key product leader at, uh, at Dell SecureWorks and then subsequently IBM and other organizations and um, eventually landed at Gartner. Um, so I was a top research analyst there and became very quickly uh, kind of the resident expert on ransomware and and as, as well as many other areas. And now I'm doing more independent work and doing more advisory and consulting and um, got connected with Order and really liked what they were doing. And, and now here we are. So, so Brad, it, it, you're probably the best person to ask about ransomware and why is it increasing so much? Yeah, because it's so easy. Um, I think the most important thing that every listener and anyone that's trying to look at where ransomware has evolved over time is um, effectively it's it's the barrier of entry to sort of these types of attacks and and in trying to extort money from organizations is I mean ultimately all you need is access to a keyboard in the internet um, so if you look at some of the you know, really the, the people that can actually uh, wreak havoc on organizations is quite vast. And, you know, the, the barrier to entry is, is so low that you're now you're seeing teenagers in basements and you're seeing kind of worn torn countries that have a lot of you know, 
organizations and, and individuals that have a strong cyber background that are now shifting from more of a traditional white hat perspective to more of a black hat perspective. And it's very difficult to track down these threat actors. I mean, you see on the, the, the newspaper every day and in the, in the news, you're seeing that the, it's very difficult to track these elements. And you know, really part of the challenge is over 98% of, of ransomware is paid out in Bitcoin, mm-hmm. in a, which is a cryptocurrency that it cannot very easily be traced. It's, it's, it's effectively very uh, uh, difficult to actually track that down. So you know, with all of that, you know, this in, a, in conjunction with you know, some of the more recent tactics of evolving into what's called um, multiple extortion type tactics, we're now seeing that threat actors are implementing the single extortion, which is I'm going to encrypt your data. That's traditional things that you end up seeing on in the news in terms of, you know, I'm, I'm going to eliminate access to your data. I'm going to encrypt your machine so you can't even use anything. And over time, you know, a lot of the security tools that are out there have been able to mitigate that and either stop or prevent it, or uh, organizations will get access to keys, or they'll implement data backups and implement their business continuity plans and, and disaster recovery efforts. But over, you know, really the tipping point was in November of 2019, we saw more and more double and triple extortion tactics take off. And recently, over the past couple of months, we've seen kind of quadruple extortion, which is something that's going to increase over time. Double extortion being the exfiltration of that data. So we've gone from big game hunting to big shame hunting, where I now have access to your sensitive data. And if you don't pay me, regardless if you have the encryption key or not, or even the backup your data or not, I'm still going to force you to pay. And then from a triple extortion perspective, Say you're a manufacturing organization, or you're a education, a school, or you're a healthcare organization, you need to maintain your operations. I'm going to disrupt those operations to keep you from making those products or those widgets that end up coming out of your factory or providing critical healthcare to your um, you know, people that need it and lives are at stake and being able to implement that. Now, the other thing that we're starting to see is uh, quadruple extortion, where I'm actually going to go to your direct customers, your key stakeholders, and I'm going to go after them in addition to you, and you, it, as well as uh, evolving this out and using these tactics across the, um, you know, what are known as supply chain attacks, or kind of going from that one-to-one perspective to a one-to-many. So you now have this force multiplier where historically it was very surgical. It was identifying, you know, these specific targets and going after that one individual, one organization to now many. And really this has turned out to be a pandemic in and of itself because the increase of these damages and the increase across the board um, has, has gone up exponentially. And that was very that was reflective directly in the research that we conducted at work. So I guess the the million dollar, perhaps the billion dollar question is for the folks on today's call that contemplate should they pay or should they not pay, given all of your research, what are your thoughts? Do everything you can possible not to pay. Um, it just makes the 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 whole process significantly worse. Um, and try to mitigate you, you know, beforehand, bef- 
before you actually get to that 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 point where you're actually having an attack and being able to mitigate it as much as possible. And then in the event that you need to have that, have the best practices in place to mitigate the impact of it. So um, you know, if you if you are absolutely positively forced into paying, you have no choice because you have to, you're a hospital, you have to make things more operational, so on and so forth. You, you have to follow the best practices around that. And, and it is great that um, there's been a lot more maturity around the cyber insurance industry, specifically about implementing best practices around how to negotiate, how to mitigate those things, making sure that you're doing it upfront in the first place. So, you know, one of the things I really liked was the, the 12 key controls um, that March came out with, with around cyber resilience. And, you know, that's a very good baseline, a very good place to start to prevent that from happening and, and, and therefore mitigating it. But unfortunately, it's rough numbers, but just shy of 25% of organizations still end up paying. Sure. And what people don't really realize and something that we highlighted in the research is that the actual attacks and the pure volume of attacks have gone up exponentially. So the actual number of the amount of um, of rewards that actually come forth from this industry. So, you know, in 2020, it was 350 million. In 2021, it ended up being close to 600 million. So $585 million that are just in the ransomware as they were paid. So even though the, the actual numbers of payments are going down and declining, we're actually seeing that the actual money that these threat actors were getting which the amount of groups are increasing uh, because of that, that, that low barrier of entry and actually increasing it over time. Um, we're actually seeing that in addition to everything else. Sure. So, so I guess when we think about, you know, and I know this is hard to kind of, you know, focus down onto one, right? But if there was one overlooked, uh, you know, focus when it comes to really cyber risk or cybersecurity and ransomware, what would you say is the, the biggest piece that's being overlooked right now? Yeah, you know what? It, this is a, a common question I get asked, and it's always a surprise to everyone that hears it. But it's specifically identifying and getting the visibility into your your environment. So, over half of organizations don't know what assets they have in their environment, and over seventy five percent actually manage everything out of an Excel spreadsheet as their asset inventory database. Um, in addition, like the, the way that regulations and compliance and everything is today, there's not a lot of enforcement into not only maintaining those assets and, and securing them, but uh, you know, basically having it be a continuous security aspect or a continuous asset inventory. So if you don't, if you, you're not able to identify that those assets are there, you're and you're able to see every device, every network connection, and how those things interconnect to each other. Uh, you know, at order, you know, this is the number one use case that we end up having is you know, organizations like they think that they know what their assets are, but they actually don't really have, uh, you know, full once we actually do like a proof of concept, we roll, roll things out and start sure. implementing our platform in our in our solution then we end up finding a lot of things that, you know, a lot of sh what's called shadow IT, a lot of assets that they had no idea, number one, that they had in their organization, number two, that, um, that were actually interconnected through, through a third party that they didn't know was connected you know, via that relationship. 
and then that those devices weren't necessarily behaving the way that they should. So yes, it's a, you know, knowing that, yes, we have a printer as an asset is important, but also knowing, okay, well, that it is an actual printer and not just an IP address and, and knowing exactly is that printer acting as a printer or is it acting like a command and control server? <laughs> so, you know, it's in what we, we've kind of simplified that where it's uh, a kind of how we call it is see no secure. So we see every device in, in the network connection. We know every risk, vulnerability or anomaly that's happening in the environment. And then we actually implement it with um, it, by securing it with an automated response. And th those are the key components that kind of brings everything together that amplifies all the key controls, the 12 key controls of cyber resilience that, um, that, that you guys have put together. Um, it's, it's, it's basically almost like the mesh between all the different components that you have and, and, and taking it to the next level. So, so Brad, for, for the listeners on the call and the clients that are listening today, um, how would they be able to reach you if they had questions or they want to engage you for you know, uh, a deeper insight? Uh, is it LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, your phone number, email? What's, what's the best way to reach you? Yeah, there's, there's two paths. Um, if you want to learn more about order, um, just go to order.net. Uh, in the upper right, there's a contact button. That's the easiest way to do it. Um, for me personally, if you want to learn more about ransomware, the industry, et cetera, LinkedIn's certainly the best, best way to go about it. I mean, I'm always on there uh, tapping away. So trying to share the message and ultimately help anyone I can. Well, Brad, I mean, we've covered a range of information today, um, you know, everything from the book to really best practices for organizations to help kind of protect themselves, as well as best practices should an incident actually occur. I want to thank you for everything you've done for our country and also thank you for coming on the show and chatting cyber with us. Yeah, thank you so much, Mark. Appreciate it.